0: Hello again, everyone. It's Nachum Siegel with this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us an opportunity to check on some of the recent conversations we've had on JM and the AM. Turo College, well-represented recently on JM and the AM. Professor Schiffer Leiser joined us. Here's that conversation on JM Rewind at the Nachum Siegel Network. Our friends at Turo College are always passing along to us important messages for students and parents. And we've had an opportunity over the last few months to really get in depth uh, with some of the people at Turo about some of the programs they offer and why they are so beneficial to both students and families out there. And uh, today is uh, a conversation right along those lines. Uh, Shifra Lizer is with us live via telephone, professor and coordinator of recruitment for Turo's occupational therapy program. Professor Schiffer Elizer, a pleasure to welcome you to JM and the AM.
1: Good morning. It is my distinct honor and privilege to be here today.
0: Greatly appreciate that. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I'll, I'm going to ask you and start with what occupational therapy is, but but maybe in your answer you can include why it is so attractive to young people in our community as a pursuit and as a profession. So, uh, Professor Lizer, what is occupational therapy?
1: Oh, gosh, that is the question that everybody dreads, <laughs> <laughs> because it's really hard to encapsulate. But I'm, uh, I'm actually really excited to be able to give this definition to a Siegel audience, because I think I want to start with a definition you might not find in a textbook, okay. which is we really help individuals find that what is their unique neshama purpose in this world? No matter how they are presenting, um, physically or cognitively, um, and really help bring that out and help them shine um, in this world. And again, neshama I mean their, their soul or soul purpose. Um, so that re- basically is um, you know the a definition I would give in this in this venue. Um, but then to sort of so thank you for that opportunity. Sure. And um, but, you know, broadening that out a little bit, um, what we really do then is, is look at, at, you know, the word occupational therapy built into that word occupation. It is occupation. And occupations really are how somebody occupies their time. And the reason that is so broad is because how people occupy their time. So it's not just helping people find jobs, right? That's right. sort of what people tend to think. Um, but how do people occupy their time? Um, and that changes based on who they are what stage they are in life, right? So the occupation of childhood um, can be very different than the occupation of of somebody who's an adult or somebody who's a little bit older. Um, You know, so the occupation of childhood could be, for example, play, um, could be as a student in school, could be a friend or a peer or a sibling. um, And that role can shift and change depending on their status. Um, their health status, their and um, any if they have any kind of difficulties um, in life. So, really, occupational therapy is looking at that individual, no matter where they are in, in, in age and stage in the lifespan, and helping them be able to perform meaningfully because we all want. Uh, The human drive is to perform meaningfully and to contribute purposefully um, to this world. You know, Um, I mean, life's all
0: about adjustments, and it sounds like occupational therapy uh, helps people really, especially young people, uh, really make the proper adjustments to their benefit, frankly.
1: Um, uh, we all... And resiliency, resiliency is key. You hit on a key piece of it: is helping. We all had to be resilient during this COVID time, right. um, and that really showed us this, this notion of helping people find their resiliency and shifting gears, and and still making the best of what's left and what we have now. I think mm-hmm.
0: the the average layperson, when when we think of or envision occupational therapy, we envision a a student, typically you know on the younger side. Although, of course, I mean stroke victims and others, you know, who are older. Uh, also, go through the regimen, uh but you know be, being being guided by a therapist really with you know in developing skills and and doing tasks thats that's generally what it looks like does would would that be an accurate description
1: oh absolutely, absolutely, because that's part of analyzing what is part of that person's occupational role, what tasks are involved, whats they and really breaking that down into the minutiae. Um, in a unique way, so that we can step by step um, help that individual to regain what, they, or, or to do for the first time what they want to be successfully engaging in. But you're right; it is tasks and activity yeah. based, and that's why it looks so simple to the outside. Right? right? It doesn't look, it looks because, like fun and games and play? But it right. really is a deeper analysis. Be- yeah. Because
0: when when someone is repeat, is in physical therapy. And they're, you know, trying to, you know, help get their shoulder back, let's say, you know, to full speed or, or, or to full strength. You know, we get the fact that that's, you know, that there are certain things that need to be done, you know, a hundred times a day or a thousand times a session. You know, we get that. We don't always look at it that what you're doing with the puzzles and with the toys and with the skill games and other things that that actually, you know, ends up, you know, working on a specific
1: part of the person. Oh, yes, that it's part of the person and it's part of the brain. And actually, great. recent research is telling us that the repetition you do in, a, in an exercise way is great for the brain. But if you don't translate that into everyday skill and what we call generalize it into novel tasks, of course, matching where the person's up to. Um, a lot of thought goes into what puzzle, how are we holding it, right. where is it going, um, all of that. It really helps in increments the person to grow and develop in those abilities. Absolutely.
0: Professor schiffer is with us. She is the um, professor and coordinator of recruitment for Turo's occupational therapy program, which seems to be very attractive to youngsters in our community, which we'll get into in just a minute. But first, I have to ask you, can a a child or children's occupational therapist work with senior citizens and the reverse, or these are specialties where you're literally locked in to certain age groups?
1: Oh, no. So not at all. So like, for example, in our program, we train occupational therapists as as entry-level clinicians right. so that they can, they're can they ready to go into any practice area. When you get out there, there are absolutely places where you become more comfortable, where you take your continuing education courses, where you get your specialty certifications. So they are very different sort of niches, right. um, and it takes like, a lot of guts <laughs> when you're in a niche for 10, 15 years to switch over. Uh, but that's part of the beauty of our profession is if you ever feel like you want to make that uh, shift in any way, Um, because the thought process is the same again we started off with a definition of this very broad definition so it's really a a skills of you know of thinking and analyzing that you can really take with you across populations
0: this is not really the forum because obviously people should seek professional help but just as an overview are there a couple of signs you can give us that parents need to look out for that might suggest that their child should be evaluated for ot yeah
1: well if there is um an unusual level of struggle in daily routine and it's hard to know especially if it's your first child what an unusual level of struggle right, is that's true right. um but but if there's an unusual like if the morning routine is like takes an hour of crying to out to get out in the morning if somebody child's not sleeping um you know not, not just for a short period of time but like continually or and right. it's been a pattern um, since birth, um, I think it's I think what parents should realize is that this, that these little uh, things that seem disparate, so it can be like sleeping issues or discomfort with clothes or a little bit clumsy or falling, like it's hard to see a bigger picture of how those things could really fit together. Um, And even more so not to be worried about it, but to actually be curious about it and say, you know, is there, is there an underlying system? Are there underlying systems that we could perhaps strengthen daily and gently that we can actually, you know, make, make things go easier for all of us. Right. (laughs) And
0: it's it's not only how one holds a pencil or how one, learns or doesn't learn how to tie shoes. There's a lot of other things as well,
1: right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Those are manifestations.
0: All right. yeah. I, I get that. It seems like those are always the two examples I always hear about. Um, once once a child gets older, I mean, can a high schooler benefit from OT? Or are they're, they're beyond, you know, um, uh, picking up uh, those skills uh, as well as a five, year old could? Oh, no.
1: Um, we thank God uh, there is a— more recent scientific finding that we are blessedly neuroplastic throughout the lifespan. So, and this wasn't always a, this wasn't always a given, um, so that at any age, in any stage, we do truly have the capacity to grow new neurons and new neural pathways, depending on the information we provide our body and our brain. Um, is it easier when you're three, four and five? Is the brain super plastic? Perhaps. Um, but it's never too late. As a matter of fact, a teenager, um, because they've struggled so much, and they and if they go to the right OT where they can finally feel validated, <laughs> that of why things are harder for them, there might be even increased motivation, um, an increased connection with that therapist. So yeah, I think it's you know it's all about that right connection and the right moment for that person to make those changes.
0: And I would assume in the case of a senior citizen, family members got to be really patient because as they're doing the puzzles and doing all the you know the activities. they're going to progress and what they're doing obviously is going to help them recover, but it, but it must be a much slower process.
1: Um, it, it can be slower, but again, what we, what at least in, what I tell the students in my class is, is it, it is it can be a little bit slower. in Adults, but on the other hand, if the if the elderly person is motivated, again, we right. capture That's motivation. True. So That's true. If the puzzle ain't doing it. Right. Maybe baking cookies will right. do it. And, and, so what and, and, and do? if they spend yeah. a lot
0: of hours doing it, then obviously they're going to increase the possibility of getting things done quicker. Right. That's
1: exactly. True. So if we can get away from this notion of rote right. puzzles or one size fits all therapy, right. um, that would to increase uh, outcomes. Yeah. yeah,
0: that's a good point. I mean, I, I've seen that with people I know who've suffered terrible injuries. If they're if they're focused on it, you know, 18 hours a day, they're going to make progress a lot faster, quite obviously. Um, all right. Uh, uh, Professor schiffer Lives is with us, coordinator of recruitment for Turo's occupational therapy program. Um, I mean, I, I would have to assume, and I, I've heard this actually from other people at Turo who work in you know, in benevolent departments, <laughs> you know, nursing, nursing, physical therapy, etc. I, I guess one of the reasons that OT is a big attraction to young men and women in our community is, frankly, you get an unbelievable opportunity to help people make a tremendous difference in people's lives.
1: Right. Right. There's a large number of people that are empaths <laughs> that yeah. want to be involved in helping professions. So, A, that's a big draw. Absolutely.
0: All right. What's the path? What do people do? They, they. They they start their undergraduate career. Let's say the young people are back from Israel. What path do they take to become a professional OT?
1: Okay, so at um First of all, there's wonderful academic advisors in the undergraduate level. That as soon as a student knows that they want to do OT, they can you know make a meeting with the academic advisor. Um, we have this unusual opportunity at Turo where we actually have a 60 credit entry. Mm. So again, the sooner that they know that they want to do OT, and again, it's, it's not always a, it's not always best to know quick. Right. Sometimes it's good to to try different things and right. make sure that right. you know what you want to do. Um, but once you know that you are settled on OT and you've done observation, and you know, as you said, all the different fields and ways that it can help people, um, then you go to your academic advisor and you make sure that you take those 60 um, prerequisite credits that are really geared to prepare you for our program. And,
0: like, this, and this, we should point out, for men and women. You have it, you have it at yes. all, all the schools, oh, right? yes,
1: yes. Now, uh, you know, the, oh, it's funny because, you know, the OT profession as now is heavily on the, on the female side, right. but yes, we have classes where, yes, it's open to both, right. um, absolutely, and we encourage, we encourage that we need all kinds of therapists um and um yeah but once you have that 60 credits you can apply to our program um and it's sort of like an accelerated track in a way um and you can and then when you graduate our program our program is a bachelor's and master's um, program so that you can enter with the 60 credits. And by the time you graduate with us three years later, you have earned your bachelor's of science and master's of science in occupational therapy, which is really, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of a streamlined um, path and you can be done a little bit faster than, yeah. than a traditional route.
0: I mean, in terms of timing, that works out really well for a lot of people. I mean, that's relatively quick, frankly. Yes, absolutely. Uh, what Mm -hmm. What does Turo offer? Are there scholarships for a program like this? I know the Shomer Shabbos angle is completely taken care of. It's one of the benefits of people pursuing Turo. What could you tell us about those details?
1: Yes, so, all right. So I think a huge benefit is is that Shomer Shabbos piece. I mean, gentle yep. and and they don't even, you know, it, it's just like sort of taken for granted. Yep. Um, even when we arrange fieldwork sites, I mean, we, there were they we let supervisors know that two, they're going to make up the hours, but two o'clock on Friday is two o'clock on Friday, and right. it's really a very nice thing. Um, there are some select scholarships that you can um, apply for, um, especially once you're in the program. We There's support of the Florida New York City Board of Ed scholarship, which is nice. And so as faculty, we do whatever we can to write letters of support for our students um, for various scholarships. Yeah.
0: And I assume Turo.edu has all the information about this.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: All people have to do is look up occupational therapy at Turo.edu mm-hmm. and you can find out about this path which is um, uh, not just uh, you know uh, not just relatively short compared to some other professions in terms of getting into the workforce but it's really uh, satisfying and seems to be a, um, a a big hit among the young people in our community people feel that they mm-hmm. are that they are really uh, making a tremendous difference and I would think just like teachers down the road you know end up hearing ten 20 years later from uh, <laughs> from uh, you know the different students who are informing them, you know, just type what type of effect in a positive way they had on them. I'm sure. I mean, I know this from our own family situation. When we when we meet, you know, the therapist who dealt with the, our babies, you know, who are now in their 20s. I mean, it's a tremendous debt of gratitude that they have mm-hmm. achieved what they've achieved because the work that they did, meaning the therapist did when mm-hmm. the when the kids were a year or two old, even and mm-hmm. even and even older, you know, help mm-hmm. help produce, you know, some really wonderful people. And I'm sure that's something that they. Uh, that they, meaning the therapist, f- find very satisfying.
1: Yeah, and it's so interesting because you think you've just been like three months in someone's life or right. a year in someone's life, and then you realize you are so instrumental. Like, it's, it's almost like humbling <laughs> that you were so instrumental because <laughs> so you've true. gone on, but you've, really, you've been a chapter in their life, and that's really, really amazing. You know? well, said, right?
0: well said, Professor. Well said. Professor Schiffer coordinator of recruitment for Turo's occupational therapy program, Turo.edu. Information about all their hundreds of programs and all their schools, et cetera. But if you're looking specifically uh, for OT, uh, go to the website and you will find the information there. Professor Lizer, anything you'd like to add?
1: Um, Well, I just want to thank you for your support and for letting everybody know about um, what we have to offer. I think we are very student-centered so that if a student, it, we understand and I think this is how we're unique, because we understand the juggling <laughs> that yep. goes on and, and you know we don't, we're not just empathic to our clients, we're empathic <laughs> to our students um, as well and again very student-centered. And again, I just thank you for spreading the, world, the word of opportunities out there. Everybody should really, especially students, should really work hard to find what their calling is um, and do their research and you know, feel free to call me to, to, to email us and, and find out more about you know, what could potentially be a very good path for you. Phenomenal.
0: Thank you. A pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Turo.edu for information, everybody. This occupational therapy, a, a tremendous, tremendous presence in that field among uh, students and uh, members of the workforce in our community. Really amazing. I know a lot of parents are tuned in, students are tuned in. Check it out at Turo.edu. They are doing a remarkable job in a lot of departments. This one, it seems, they are just Uh, producing great graduates constantly thursday morning broadcast jm and the am that was my conversation with professor schiffer leiser of tarot college how about some humor yid with a sign and aim humor they were with us or i should say yid with a sign and a y humor either way (laughs) they were with us to discuss uh, twitter and being funny here's my conversation with them on jm rewind here at the nalcom siegel network Wednesday morning, it's JM in the AM. Well, we've been telling you about two gentlemen of many, I think we could say of many, maybe we'll ask them, on Twitter and social media who get their points across with some uh, really funny angles, uh, some very funny lines. In the case of a yid with a sign, uh, some very funny uh, written words that are then displayed on some type of contraption, usually usually one that's actually classified as a sign, and uh, in fact, um, this appearance on the air was promoted with a sign. I guess that's um, one of the um, distinctions about Twitter. Uh, you don't have to, uh, you know, have to rely only on your tweets, but the photos and the uh, attachments that you could put to, on your tweet also would be very effective in getting the word out. And getting the point across. Yaakov Langer is Yid with a sign. Yaakov, welcome to JM in the AM. Hey. A.Y. Milstein is AIM Humor. A.Y., welcome to JM in the AM. Hello, thank you for having me. Let me give a couple of examples here. This is A.Y.'s humor, AIM Humor. He writes, after 30 years of waking up to the New York Times, I have finally canceled my subscription did i just lie yes (laughs) but so does the new york times (laughs) you have to be a real insider to get that insight by the way a guy in my shul he writes guy in my shul has been getting since purim rumor has it his wife's in her 14th month like i say you got to be an insider to get these
2: um, I, mean, I don't know how much of an insider you have to be to get that. I well, mean, everyone knows that somehow that guy who's getting psicha every single day has just been getting it for way too long. Well, you know?
0: that that I get, but you have to be a rel- <laughs> You have to be a relatively regular shul goer, and then on top of that, you have to uh, take notice <laughs> of the fact that they keep sending the same guy up every single time. <laughs> I like your right. I, I like your uh, could have used WhatsApp two times speed for the bar mitzvah kid who laneed on Shabbos. Yeah, <laughs> there are. There are, there are those of us who get who get uh, stuck in the uh, in the local lane instead of the express lane when the bar mitzvah boy is reading the Torah. Oh, it,
2: it literally was this week. Like, I, it, oh. sometimes my my tweets are just based off just I was sitting there by diving like thinking like I I need that two times speed right now. <laughs> like the kid, <laughs> it was slow.
0: Yeah, that, that often happens. The doorway you write the doorway by Kadusha during Musav looks like a giant game of red light green light one two three bunch of people frozen awkwardly in place. And I guess that's because right afterwards people are anticipating either walking in or walking out. So that, that, that that was my, that was my addendum. How come, how come all these observations, uh, a Y, uh, aim humor, how come all of these observations are so obvious to people like us, but we would never think of a way to present them in a tweet. How did you, how are you able to, uh, Uh, To get to the point, we were able to sum it all up. These situations we find ourselves in, and tweet them out in a very well understood manner.
2: Um, I think I've always been like the uh, you know, uh, how is it, observative, observative. Um, Yeah, like I I look around and I, I take things in. Um, and I think of like a, like I've always noticed people just clustering up by the doorway of the, by the doorway from what's up. Yeah. We also, we also
0: see it. We just don't know how to express it.
2: Right. So then I think my slow process goes like, what does this look like? Or, or what can I compare this to? Or, or, you know, like, what does this remind me of? Like, you know, it starts, my my brain starts working and it is davening and I am already spacing out. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) um, And then uh, you know all these things like like when I notice something like my, my thought process starts like like it's it's not like a it's not like a ten minute thing in right. a few seconds like right. my brain is already like oh my, it just looks like it looks like what you know everyone what? just frozen yeah
0: you know what they say ay some of our most creative thinking happens during David. <laughs> oh
3: yeah <So>. definitely <laughs> nakam you should say ay ay is, um he's he's a very humble guy but I, I tend to say that he's the funniest. Uh, Jewish writer out there. Whoa, I, I, whoa! Yeah. Yid with a would you put that in a sign? Yid with a sign. Hold on, Hold on. wait, wait, wait. No, I need to just catch you up. Um, or as my Sadie would say, I need to catch up on, on on this situation. Is that we're Ay and me are both Yid with sign. Yid with sign is is, is a collaboration between Ay milstein and Yaakov Langer. We're both Yid with sign. Right. I, I may be the face for it. But um, I, I wouldn't be able to, you know. We we both come up with the line. Yeah, Google but,
0: Google, uh, Google attributes it to you. You should know. I get it that you're a duo, but I'm just letting you know that Google attributes it to you. Oh God,
2: we might have to I get has, Google uh,
0: on the phone.
3: Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> at, at least the way our search went. Uh, and aim <laughs> is, is aim humor ay's independent a uh, 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 Twitter handle.
2: Yeah that's, yeah, that's my independent handle of any and all. Uh, yeah, all my own.
0: <laughs> now, Yaakov uh, or Yid with sign, as I'm going to say for this, just to just to disting, you know, make a distinction between the two of you for this conversation. Uh, under, sure. Understood that both of you are, are responsible for that Twitter handle. I mean, in all seriousness, and that's going to be funny saying it that way. That's quite a statement to say that Milstein is the funniest of all the, you know, of all those who are. Doing I don't know Jewish humor or Jewish community humor on Twitter. There's a whole bunch of you guys, and to you know to proclaim that he's number one, that's that's pretty radical.
3: I, you know what? I, I it's there's a lot of funny people, and I don't want to like put them down, but I I've been I only know you know Ay since we've been doing Yid with Sign. I don't know. We started back you know in in March of 2020, right? And I've been following the heart of his, COVID, his, right? The heart of COVID. I've been following his tweets and and. I think anyone who follows him could easily say, like, something happens, he somehow finds that way to make a joke, and and a joke that the Frum community is going to get, or the yeah. Jewish community is going to get.
0: Yeah, he he doesn't sound 100% comfortable in this forum, but it seems like he's 100% comfortable on Twitter.
3: Yeah, oh, right. Oh, yeah, I'm thing. not. He thinks, he thinks that talking. Myself. He thinks that talking. Sorry, sorry. I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh uh, yeah, I'm more of a quiet. Like I'm not the life of the party. I'm not the loudest guy. I don't love to see myself or hear myself. So yeah.
0: What was your latest tweet that I was one of those that I read? The latest one, I don't remember.
2: That was, those those are pretty recent. Yeah, those um, are recent.
0: What was the first one? When was the first time you got a, an amazing reaction where you said, "Wow, I can't believe two, three, four hundred people are liking this thing."
2: Um, I, I can remember one of my earliest ones um, that. I, I took a picture of like you know that hat that sometimes people wear that little like kangol hat that that one guy in Shul wears like the old guy yeah yeah so so I took a pic I, I took a, a screenshot of that and I I wrote that every Shul has this guy and I just posted <laughs> that hat that was like I probably had like fifty followers then and it got like it got a lot of likes so I think that was my first first one that like I was like oh and oh oh also. There were a few at that time. Like, it was right when I like, decided, maybe I'll start. Maybe it, it was weird how I started making jokes in the first place. I never, I never really intended on it. But I also wrote like something about when you walk in by Buddy um on Friday night when you walk in late. And you just walked in and everyone's turned around facing you. you know?
0: <laughs> That's the worst. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Do you know how
0: many, how many pictures one can caption, every shul has this guy? There's like a thousand pictures you could take <laughs> in a shul that you can caption. Every shul has this guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. Um, all right. And, and Yakov, uh, March of 2020, as you said, the Yidwith sign, you and AY together start this Twitter handle. What was the very first sign that was held up? Do you remember? Uh,
3: um. It's funny. I don't think the very first sign we posted was the first one, but the the first one we posted was, I muted your WhatsApp status. That was the first one we posted. I muted
0: your WhatsApp Um, status. Something that's prevalent in our community. Something that's yeah something that's a, a, a uh what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> something that's you know the, the throwing down of the gauntlet in our community. You <laughs> am muting yeah, your WhatsApp yeah. status. The there are, by the way, but, there there are people outside the Jewish community who would not even know what that means. So Right.
3: You have yeah. to Yeah, yeah, there, yeah I I've I've encountered uh, non Jews that are like, What's WhatsApp? What is I'm like, WhatsApp? Right? Are you Jewish? And I'm like, No, I'm not Jewish. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Um, but the one right after that that got a lot of great buzz was no we don't want to take a small pack with package from Lakewood to Munster. Oh is
0: that great Is that great? we
3: all we all know that we, we we all become that person at some point That's when right. we really need that. Like, oh no the medication, we forgot it. Right. Oh no. And
2: it might be No, one. I still haven't become that person. I, I do not I will not Why it's inevitable. It's gonna happen. At, at, no <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's funny because everyone has, at, at some point, uh, come across someone who's actually uh, requested that or put themselves in a situation where they need that. Both Yid with Sign, Yaakov and AY, and Aim Humor are with us live via telephone. We're talking about Twitter. Those of you who don't follow them yet, they are both um, Twitter aficionados who are worth following. Um, if you want to laugh and you want to uh, uh, po- poke fun both privately and publicly. It's some of the things that go on in our community. Yid with Sign has had some of these recent tweets. And Yid with Sign literally, by the way, is a Yid holding a sign. And that sign could say anything. A recent sign said, your Schlissel challah doesn't look like a key. <laughs> Another one said, we get it. You like schtissel. Vachule, vachule. By the way, for someone like me who's never seen a minute of schtissel, that's a great side.
3: <laughs> I, you said no. I, I don't know about it. Anyway, I have not watched schtissel either. I don't know if. Woo! If I'm Jewish, but, um... <laughs> yeah.
0: By the way, non-Jewish people when they find out I haven't seen a minute of this will go crazy. <laughs> like you know, <laughs> like all 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 of a sudden they're worried about my tradition and heritage.
1: Uh, <laughs> I love
0: I love this especially because I was just telling Stacy Siegel yesterday that everybody has seven cheesecakes in their refrigerator uh, pre-Schvus, and then they have six in their refrigerator after shmuis that they don't know what to do with because you held up a sign that says cheesecake is overrated but we all get into that frenzy pre-shmuis and you've summed it up in three words what can i tell you
3: yeah it, you know what a lot of these signs we, we try to be funny but a lot of times there's like just kind of a message sometimes like for example shmuis is the yuntif that we don't really have mitzvah the mitzvah is to like Stay up and learn, right. and but the just became. Oh, it's about the cheesecake. <laughs> right. Like no, it's not about the cheesecake.
0: <laughs> just you know? like just mm-hmm. like the Shabbos afterpay sucks about the shlisholchala.
3: What can I tell you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With mustard every side. Yid with sign held up
0: a sign that says, "How do you see the words if the sitter is pressed on your face?" Yid with sign has also proclaimed on a sign that Hasana bends. Are too loud. Now, there's nothing funny about that. The only funny part about that, and I assume this is where are you going with this, is that it's it's one of those things that everyone complains about, never gets any results based on their complaints. So you're basically doing the same thing. You're holding up a sign, proclaiming something that everyone always says, knowing it's never going to matter, that, the fact that you're saying it, right? I guess that's the humor behind it.
3: You know, I, right? Well, when I, think- I, when I go to a wedding, I I wouldn't wish it on, you know wish wish the loud music on my worst enemy Yamashimo. Right? It's it, it's just so loud, and and but it's it's just getting louder. We're not. I don't think it's ever going to really change. But uh, and yeah, as we yeah, get yeah. as I get older, it's just going to get worse and worse. But anyway. but
0: Ay, am I right that part of it is that you're complaining about something that you know is never going to change, and that's what makes it
2: funny? Yeah, I think I think what's also something to understand over here with Yisroel sign is that. It's, we're demonstrating. When someone stands in the street and holds up a sign, they're right. demonstrating. Something. Right. So we're we're basically saying cheesecake is overrated. Like, right.
3: and, and you're angry about it. Say,
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> and we're exactly. We and bands are too. We're, we are. Ma- we're we're making a stand. We're taking a stand here, <laughs> and we are saying Chas and bands are too loud. Basically, do something about it. What was? Did you did you, did you guys tweet yesterday?
0: Was there anything on the on, on the Edwin sign yesterday? Aside from the fact that you were going to be on this show, <laughs> um, I think uh, no. the bands
2: are
3: too loud. was the last, oh one. that, that oh. was the most recent one. Yeah, it could be. That could we, be. It could be. It happens to be. This is a trade secret. A, Awa and us uh, and myself, we we sit down, you know, maybe once a month, right. and we just make up a bunch of concepts. And then we try to disseminate. At the end of the day, you know, I sit there and write the sign and hold up the sign and, and drive my wife crazy to take pictures, or, or people in my brother's office to take the pictures. Yeah, he does all the signs. We can't do it every day, but we have a lot of messages.: Right, for but, the world. But
0: sometimes, in all seriousness, sometimes events happen that interrupts your monthly schedule of, uh, of sign preparation uh when the terrible tragedy happened in Mayrone, i thought it was really uh heartbreaking to see you hold up a sign of a picture of every one of the victims and i i believe your tweet was the word heartbroken and frankly you know something that's normally used for humor you've got a following the fact that you used it to express what the jewish community was going through was really important
3: yeah we we, we it, it it sometimes gets tricky for us cuz like right. we are a humor account but then right. there's like Certain things going on, and we're like, how can we? We have so many eyeballs from from the Jewish community looking right. at us. Like, how can we not mention Mayron? Like, we we want to bring laughs and and just make people happy. But at the same time, yeah, like something like Mayron or. By the or way, we, we yeah, also,
0: and and we can relate to this because of what happened that we had to postpone this conversation. There's sometimes when the Jewish community is just sad, and and there's nothing wrong if everyone's suffering from the same thing that you acknowledge it, even if you're a humor site or a humor Twitter handle.
2: Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it is tricky, especially like, um, you know, if we are a humor handle and like people see that and they're like, what are they making fun? Like, I- I'm always worried about coming across the wrong way when we, when either in my Twitter account or in if with these signs, if we put out something that is serious, if people are going to be like, oh, is he just mocking them? Is he making fun? Like, you know, right. that's, that's something we're concerned about sometimes.
0: Yakov, uh, where do the signs come from? To me, they look like the back of bakery boxes. Where what are they for real?
3: They are, they are, it's my local supermarkets, whether it's, it's Gourmet Glot or Aaron's Casino Farms. Aaron's. That's the, they, yeah, I know you love Aaron. Aaron's, oh, yeah. um, which I, I do too, they're the best, but um, yeah, so I, I get it from there, um, and I kind of look crazy sometimes, I go around my building and just collecting boxes, and it's like, oh, you're moving, I'm like, no. And, <laughs> and, and,
0: and and are you moving? And is the location important or it's irrelevant? The background that you that you happen to be in front of um, uh, or a building you to be in front of when you're doing this, is that just total coincidence or is there sometimes something significant about that?
3: We used to, my wife and I used to, like, this is like the heart of pandemic. We really, like, we're just going places because there was no traffic. Right. So we went to Brooklyn, we went to here and there just to get a different scenery but now you'll notice that like they're usually in my parking lot or where i work in that parking lot
0: And, and for both of you on both accounts is the majority of comments about shul is the majority of comments about you know jewish public gatherings or do you do anything about israeli politics and all the elections or other stuff that uh that we'd be interested in or is the majority of it you know what what goes on when jews get together
2: um, I, I would say I mix it up. I, I don't think it's. I don't think I'm focused on one thing. I think I, I think one of my. I, I, I try to mix it up. Like I, I really don't think I focus on like one idea or one. Uh, I don't know. I, I I don't try to stay in school the whole day. You know.
0: So th- there's no question that you've said something at some point about the Israeli election. I mean, you had to have. I would guess.
3: Um. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, was- I have. I, I with with A A Humer, he's probably has referenced uh, Israeli elections more. With the sign, we haven't really. We do try to stay a little out of politics, only because uh. AY and I, myself we really don't know anything. Uh, but but uh, nothing. Maybe you can give us some sign ideas. But the closest thing we did <laughs> for Israel was was or just for the Jewish nation in general. We held up a sign that said blue, because on you know two weeks ago or last week on social media that. Obviously, unfortunately, there's been a massive increase in anti-Semitism and hate, right. and uh, a lot of Jewish people are you know, putting blue on their screen, so we did it the Yid with Signway and wrote the word blue. The uh, interesting,
0: sign. and you know, because I don't always hop these things right away. I'm glad you explained that. I was wondering about that sign. I, I thought it was actually capturing the mood of the Jewish people. Uh, but I guess oh, I, I, interesting. I guess why not? Why not? It could be both of those. Uh, you have a sign that says "No one cares" where you got your matzah? <laughs> that, that's a that's a fact. Um, oh, it's a two-day yuntiv and a one-day Shabbos. Yeah, I've been criticized for that, but uh, well, whatever. I, I won't do it now. But the, I I was proven right by my friends at the um, at the. I have to get this right. Was it not? I I, I don't remember now if it was bells or Visionits, but one of the Hasidic groups. Uh, actually, agreed with me that you can call it a three-day yontif, even though it's uh, a yontif and Shabbos. We don't, we don't have to do that now. You have a one-word sign. You have a one-word sign that might just sum up: Pesach five seven eight one, and the word is Orlando <laughs> because, <laughs> and because everybody was talking about Orlando. <laughs> it's,
2: funny, it's funny that, cause that, that one, one yeah, I could, you know, Yeah, yeah, you got anyway. No, I, I was saying because we were we were going back and forth. We need to make a sign about Orlando. We need to <laughs> say this. We had like different ideas, uh, and we uh, and I said, why don't we just hold
3: up a sign that says Orlando? <laughs> because everyone yeah. knows exactly what you're talking about. Let them fill in the blanks, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was too much to say about it. That that Ay very cleverly just like just say Orlando. It's like boom, that's it. And you have, <laughs> I mean, look,
0: P- Pesach obviously is such an incredible target of Jewish jokes. Yeshiva yeah. Bakram, the sign says, Yeshiva Bakram, rip you off. Clean your own car. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I by the way, I got death threats from like all oh, oh, my, my guys from cleaning cars like, oh, what oh you God? yeah guiding people were not happy with that oh, one. <laughs> yeah. and by the way
0: it's not going to convince people not to use that service it's just it's just reiterating what, every, what what's going through everybody's mind when when they exactly. take when they take the no one's no one's holding a gun to anyone's head that you have to use a service uh but it's really it's the
2: same kids who build the sukkahs. it's the same right. it's the same flyer they just do you know. <laughs>
0: Uh, and then you do have some serious ones You have serious ones about the Aguna situation You have serious ones about um, uh, About donating to certain Causes, by the way that required a very Large box when you put all that in the uh, uh, When you put all that information <laughs> On you with a sign And Well that
3: was kind of making fun of The like all these uh, I mean, Obviously Tadakar is amazing right. But uh, today you see you know There's charity and cause match and the Chesed fund and raise it so we just them. Yeah, this like, goes why? back to WhatsApp just...
2: statuses. It's it's crazy. The WhatsApp statuses of all the all these different charity names and groups and, and websites. Yeah.
0: And finally, only because I have to wrap up, I could do this with you guys for the next two hours. Finally, the sign says there are places other than Miami to go to for Yeshiva Week because I got reports from people who were in Miami and they felt like you did, that that was everybody's destination. So a very good point and a very good observation. I am going to highly recommend to those of you who are on Twitter, uh, in general, there's a nice cadre of Jewish humorists out there, you guys probably you know have a lot of colleagues that you're familiar with. Uh, we won't we won't go to, through the list right now, but there's a lot of great Jewish humor. Um, even though Ay is the best, according to Yakov, there's still a lot of a lot
2: of oh, a, Ay. Even,
0: Ay, even you agreed. Or, you have a lot of really g- funny colleagues out there on Twitter, right?
2: Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of fun stuff going on there for sure. Yeah,
0: a lot of good observations about our community. But anyway, if you're on Twitter and you haven't yet uh, followed them. Uh, a. Y. Milstein, you could follow uh, by uh, going to the Twitter handle, Aim humor, AIM, Aim humor. and Yaakov uh, and AY have this handle together: Yid with sign, Yid with sign, which will bring a smile to your face 99 percent of the time, and the other one percent it'll likely be a serious message uh, that the entire community is feeling. I cannot thank you guys enough. Continued success. And uh, we oh, want, yeah. and and you're you're doing an amazing job because I think you're poking fun at the right things, and you're doing so as much as some people might find it hard to believe. You're doing so in a very respectful manner, uh, which is, which is much appreciated. Thank you, Yakov and Aim. Thank you, much appreciated you visiting us this morning. Yid with sign, aim humor. Just two Twitter handles that I'm highly recommending on this a Wednesday morning broadcast. At America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program, heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web, at alchemsingle.com, and then Network and of course, anybody love it, NSNF. That was my conversation about humor on Twitter, a recent conversation on JM in the AM. The Boston Araba joined us to discuss the brand new book, The Rabbi on Beacon Street, written by Rabbi Finkelman. The Boston Araba of Boston, a recent guest of ours on JM the AM. Here it is. That conversation on JM Rewind at the Racham Siegel Network. Tuesday morning broadcast. JM, I am a reminder that Rabbi Shimon Finkelman is out with a brand new book. The book is entitled The Rebbe on Beacon Street. It's a book about the inspiring life and impact of Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Horowitz, the Boston Rebbe of Boston and Harnov. And we are honored this morning, and for us, it's a tremendous kavod, a tremendous kavod uh, this morning to speak. With one of the sons of uh, the Boston Rebbe, and that is the Boston Rebbe of today, um, uh, Rabbi Naftali Yehuda Horowitz, who is the Boston Rebbe of Boston, the successor in Boston to his father. Uh, Rebbe, uh, Rabbi Horowitz, it's truly an honor uh, to welcome you to JM and the AM.
4: Good to be here.
0: Much appreciated. I met your father, I met the Rebbe when I was a teenager on a uh, a trip to Boston that I took with uh, our high school class. And if I'm speaking about it 40 years later, uh, it, it's obvious that that visit had an impact. I would imagine you've heard stories like this um, many, many, many times over the years.
4: Correct. I've had many stories of people whom my father had an impact on just for that short discussion that he might have given them during their visit here on in Boston on a high school trip or even an eighth grade elementary trip.
0: <laughs> no question about it. Certainly wonderful memories for people like me. Um, the, 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 there's so many interesting circumstances in the book. I mean, your, your father's father, I guess, I guess who many uh, would call the first Boston Rebbe, um, made many attempts not to actually stay in Boston had a tremendous love for Eretz Yisrael, a tremendous desire to live in Israel. And it it seems, just based on what I read, that so many circumstances or coincidences, and we know there's no such thing as coincidence, just kept bringing him back
4: to Northeast America. Is that how you would portray it? Correct. He was sent here, not by his own accord, through his uncle, the Lelzareber of Dobitsy Leleva. And in a way he was forced to get here because he was on a trip to Europe and World War I broke up outright before he was supposed to return to Eretz Yisrael. And the only way he could be able to survive, because he was under a Turkish passport, was to come to the United States and he ended up here in Boston. And every time he tried to return, it seems it was unsuccessful. And he always said that his uncle doesn't let him get back to Israel. Because he feels he has that mission in the United States,
0: and uh, because us New Yorkers always, uh, you know, are, 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 always feel terrible when we lose out to Boston, was it Boston because of relatives, or a specific sponsor, or an acquaintance, or was Boston again by coincidence?
4: No, it wasn't so much by a coincidence. He was for a while in East New York, but there was a group of of uh, Hasidim who wanted him to come to Boston, so he felt that would be the best place for him set up, that he should be able to have his base medrash and do his avodis
0: Um I have to ask, I'm sure this audience will be even more intrigued than other audiences might be. Uh, the, the point is made in the book that one of the reasons he had such an impact and was able to have such an immediate impact was frankly because Boston, and it continues to be today, is a, is a city of academia, is a city that attracts a lot of Jews. From a lot of places around the world because people want to be in places like Harvard and many other institutions that I could list. Was that immediate? Was the benefit to that community, Jews who might be in the world of academia, was the impact of the Rebbe immediate for them?
4: I would say that for my father, he was involved and he really became more involved in the early 60s in attracting people from the academia through his reputation, and through his uh, good English, as they say. And because of that, there were, he was able, being an American-born, American born, he was able to attract people and have an understanding of where they're coming from to give them the proper outlook of what Jewish life is all about, where maybe previous generations, immigrants, might have thought of the staple that you have in Europe and, they wanted their children to have a different type of life, and they didn't realize you could be an Ehrlich growing up in the United States as well.
0: So it's not like the college town kept him there, but once he was there and saw the landscape, saw just how many Jews were professors and students and, and, and other people involved in the universities, he said that they, they have to have a connection to our our tradition and heritage.
4: Absolutely. In fact, I wouldn't call my father where people today have people that do outreach, and they're outreach professionals. My father didn't go to college campuses. My father stayed in his shul on Shabbos. People came to him, not the other way around, That he went out. Of course, he went to different cities, right. sometimes he invited by individuals, but his main place and where people got in touch with him was in his shul and his area where he was staying.
0: We're speaking with Rabbi Naftali Yehuda Horowitz, who's the Boston Rebbe in Boston, Massachusetts, and the son of Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Horowitz, uh, the Boston Rebbe of Boston and Harnof. The brand new book is written by Rabbi Shimon Finkelman. It's called The Rebbe on Beacon Street. Go to artscroll.com for all the details. The book has just been released. The Rebbe that we're speaking of, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Horowitz, passed away just about 12 years ago, just to give you a little bit of a historical perspective um it, it, it's interesting and those of us who've had interactions with rebbes we, we know that the that the, the most beloved part of watching a rebbe in action so to speak is is the vahafta larecha kamocha. but your father it seems based on this book and and based frankly on the short encounter i had with him and his reputation just had that to a, to such a high degree there was nobody, no matter what their background, and no matter you know if they were a member of the Jewish community. He had such tremendous ahava, not just respect, that he would sit down and spend time with them. But describe the love that it seems he must have had in his heart for every single Jew.
4: Well, I can give you over a, a story where one time this fellow walked in from Cambridge, a student, and it was toward it was on Shabbos morning, it was toward the end of davening, that he walked in, and he didn't walk in with you typical Shabbos garb, and he came down to Kiddush, and he came over to me to give Shalom, and of course, I saw, you know, he came late to davening, you know, I wasn't up to entertaining him, and sure enough, he went over to my father, and my father sat him down, and he started talking to him, and asked him where he's from, and where he's holding in his studies in college, and he invited him for the Suda Shabbos in the morning and afternoon after the evening, And he developed a relationship with him. Even though he wasn't what you call your regular t- typical type of Jew that would be walking into the show. Right. <laughs> and the reason behind that is because my father saw under the garb. He saw there was a Jewish neshama there. And he understood that every Jew- Jewish neshama is precious. And he realized the potential that that person can have. And sure enough, he became observant. He's a proper Shemeshabbos, Erlech Yidu, as a Jewish family with children and grandchildren today.
0: And, and, And the point I would make further is it's not just the positive. When a Jew was in pain, when someone approached him, whether they were Orthodox or not, and expressed the difficulties they're going through, it just felt like they had the ear of somebody who was feeling their pain, somebody who was relating to what they were going through.
4: Even more so. When people come here, we have an organization that's called RoFA International, and they come here. We don't only take in what you call observant Jews. We take in non-observant secular Jews as well. And I can still recall where this not secular family came in from Israel, and during that period of time, there was a, a disagreement between the secular and non-secular Jews, where they even came to violence, where stones were thrown by each other. And when the person came in to say goodbye to us, thank us, that we took care of their family and their child, who was being hospitalized here in Boston, they said, I can promise you one thing. We're not going to throw any more stones at observant Jews any longer. Oh, wow. <laughs> realize that there's a you throw coming from both sides.
0: Powerful, powerful story. Uh, speaking with uh, Rabbi Naftali Yehuda Horowitz, the son of the Boston Rebbe. He is the Boston Rebbe himself, but you understand what I'm saying. The son of the Boston Rebbe, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Horowitz, that so many people knew for so many years up in Boston. Uh, at what point did your father move to Israel? 1984. And that was because, again, fulfilling that dream or there was a, an additional purpose at that time?
4: My father always had a dream to move to Eretz and have a community there because that was the dream of his father. My father wanted to finish off the mission of his father, just like Shloyman Melech tried to finish off the mission of Dabit Amelk to build the Beis Hamigdash. He wanted to build a settlement in Eretz and through many, much siyata d'shmay, he was able to have a b'smedruch and a community in Harnow of Israel, and that's why he was also known as the Bustan Reb of Harnow. Right, and I- that was his dream to settle in Israel. And even towards the end of his life, where he could not any longer travel between the United States and Israel, he chose Israel to be full time.
0: And, and in all seriousness, although some may find this funny because many of us always look at Harnof as an exclusively, you know, one type of neighborhood, the, the reality is Harnov has Jews of all backgrounds. And it seems that that was one of the reasons your father chose Harnov, because he felt that that was one neighborhood where everybody from every background would feel comfortable visiting and would feel comfortable living.
4: That's correct. And in fact, even when it was a situation, there was some strife between different parts of the community there. My father said instead of having people disagree, invite them for a Shabbos meal and let them see what Shabbos is all about and what they're missing in Shmira Shabbos and observing the Shabbos.
0: Wow. Very interesting. Uh, the book is called The Rebbe on Beacon Street. It's brand new. Go to com for details. Um, one of the things, and look, I'm doing this 37 years, and and I'm not sure if you know or not, but the the basic uh, theme of this show has always been Jewish music, even with all the discussions we've had over the years. And and the Boston and Nigunim obviously have made a profound impact on Jews worldwide, just in terms of how amazing they are. Now, maybe you can give us a perspective on how important Nigunim are in general, because there's so many Hasidic dynasties that have. Their own Nigunim. Could you give us a, a, just a brief history or some insight into the, the, the Nigunim, the tunes of the uh, Boston dynasty?
4: Well, the main, uh, the main composer of tunes for, the, for Boston and Nigunim was my father's brother, Rav, Rav Moshe Harwitz, who was the Boston Rebbe of New York, New York Boston Rebbe, and his son, Rabhaim Avram, who passed away about four or five years ago. Five years ago, to be exact, Yortai was just recently Yutcha Sivan, and he was also very well known in the music world. Many people sing the songs of my uncle and my father, and my bro- and my uh, my cousin. Um, without realizing, it's a, a nigger. Right,
0: <laughs> that's what I discovered. And, right.
4: Yes, and also my brother in Harnov does have a talent to be a composer, and he has composed. My father's did not compose so many, but he had uh, one, nigun that he did compose. But he was someone who understood music, and what he felt was, he mentioned many times, that the music speaks to the Neshama. Mm. The Neshama feels the music just like we have food for our, our bodies. We have music to be able to. To take care of our
0: souls. I mean there there's a Bostoner Lashanahaba that I think the whole world if I if I'm right, I hope I'm right and not misstating this. If I'm right, the whole world sings it. The you be which, I am I, I, I'm sorry to say I don't know which one
4: you mean <laughs> but it could be.
0: I'm, I'm almost sure. And 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 of course there are others. Why I mean look I I I the inner workings of the Tish there's so many amazing Hasidic nigunim. Is it significant that the Hasidic dynasty have its own? Like, how would you how would you classify the importance of a Hasidic dynasty having its own identity through music?
4: I would explain it that using, just like there are different types of aboides. Right. Different types of service that a person can serve. We know there's the Hasidic world. Right. There's the yeshiva world is the Swadic world, right. and you'll find that the music between the Svadic world and the Hasidic world, and even the, the Yeshivish world, are completely different, even though each of them are beautiful in their own way. Right. The same way with Hasidus, you can go ahead and explain that through their rebel who, who they can get close to, and through that get close to the Baruch Hu, music will allow them to have their
0: own expression of avoda, absolutely amazing. The, you and and other relatives, I believe it's brothers and brothers in law. I mean, the Boston uh, tradition, Boston dynasty, let's call it for a moment, is now in Boston, of course, where you are in Yerushalayim, uh, in Highland Park, New Jersey, which I didn't know. Places like Muncie, Manchester, Beitar. I mean, if if everybody, and I have to assume that everybody is, if everyone's following in the tradition. Of being this open and this loving of all Jews, the tradition that your father, of course, continued from his father. I mean, it, it, there must be in, in, an incredible impact, even more so, just in terms of quantity, that's going on uh, in the world um, in, in this in this area. Uh, my point being that that I, I have to assume that all the rabbis of today in the Boston tradition are following you know, the, the the example that their father set, and now they have an opportunity worldwide to be impactful on so many more people.
4: Well, that's, that's very, very true. And in fact, even though you have to realize when you have a, a person, he might not do the exact avoider of his father to the nth degree because, after all, everybody, each person has their own way of doing things and they're... Generation might be different, as we know, the generation of 2020 right. is not the generation of 1980, or for sure not the generation of 1960.
1: Right.
4: However, the main staple of Boston of Hasidus is to do Avoides Hashem through Ahava, and through Yira, and through and Avoida. So, therefore, each one has it, they might have it in their own way, with their own wrinkle, but they each have it. And today, being much more spread out, as we know, after the after World War II, the Europa, the Holocaust, many it was a, we had a much smaller contingency. Today, Baruch Hashem, Judy, uh, Orthodox Judaism, observer Judaism has grown, and because of that, there needs to have more people to service them, and that's what we're trying to do as well. The service cloud you throw to do this Hashem,
0: and, and you just brought up a point that I think has to be emphasized. Uh, your father and other great Rebbe's and rabbanim of that generation obviously had a lot of challenges and had to deal with very sensitive topics. But I don't know with what this generation is now involved with, and the diff- and the difficulties and challenges that they're bringing to people like yourself. Uh, I, I don't even know if, if 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 they were as difficult the generation before. We're we're dealing with some very very sensitive social issues. We're dealing in an era where people think that abhorrent behavior is normal or should be normal, and it's certainly creeping into our community. And if you want to keep the obviously struggle, if you don't want to push away people who are, you know, deserving to be part of our community, yet yet sometimes get involved in things that that are, you know, unapproved of at the minimum, it, it becomes a greater challenge. I would assume those are the types of things that you're dealing with constantly.
4: True, but a lot of times people say about my father, my father, of course, was a very, very charismatic person, personable person, generous person, but he knew also how to tell somebody that that's not the way of a Torah Jew. And he did it emphatically. So, And the people that heard it from them took it in the way that it was given, from the heart to the heart. And if you have that type of understanding, you can love a person if he's not like you. Right. But if you feel he's doing the wrong thing, you will. You should let him know that. It, try to be to try to give him an understanding that that's not the way of the Torah.
0: With, with and, and I wouldn't publicly, of course, it has to be stronger, but privately with tremendous love, I'm sure.
4: Absolutely.
0: Uh, I know this audience would be curious because to us, it, it, to, to our segment of the community, excuse the expression, um, you know, Boston is always synonymous with the Rav. It seems that the Rebbe and Rav Soloveitchik had a the, had a fine relationship.
4: A wonderful relationship. I I recall many a time during Colomoy going to visit my father, uh, R- Ravi Soloveitchik, together with my father, wow. and they had different discussions and they were always respectful of each other. I can still recall here in show where there were twins born, and Rabbi Soloveitchik was the Sandik for one of the children, and my father was a for the Sandik uh, for the other twin. Wow.
0: <laughs> if that doesn't say at all about your community, wow. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. And finally, just to give a historical perspective, your lineage. Uh, even, even though we think it starts in Boston, Massachusetts, your lineage is really part of the the vast majority of the Hasidic dynasties, right? When it comes to, I assume I am making an assumption here. You can tell me if I am right. But when it comes to Chernobyl, script and and other, you know, a, other Hasidic groups that that usually are lumped together in terms of being related generations back, you are part of that, correct?
4: I am part of Nachum Chernobyl. We're part of many different dynasties, such as Badichev, we, we come from the Baal Shem Tov as well, the right. Mizritcha and we come from many, many different uh, dynasties. But we always say, yeah. How will your actions go towards your ancestors? We always have to be careful to know that we have to strive to be like our ancestors on a daily basis. No question about it.
0: Have you had a chance? Has the book been delivered to you yet, Rebbe?
4: Yes, I've seen the <laughs> book, in fact, uh, Baruch Hashem, it's a beautiful book, and people should write it, because just like you have a Musa Sefer, sometimes you have a living, a living Musa Sefer. Yeah. And this way can teach youngsters and elders as well what it means to have a harvesty Yisrael and how to live a life where you can go the extra mile.
0: Uh, I cannot wait to come to Boston with my family and meet you, and I, I cannot thank you enough for joining us this morning. A tremendous kavod a real covet for us, and uh, we will continue to recommend to people to buy the book, to read the book, and to remember your father. Uh, he was such a, a dear leader uh, in the Jewish world and will never be forgotten. Thank you so much for joining us this morning.
4: Thank you for having me this morning. Be well.
0: Rabbi Naftali Yehuda Horowitz is the Boston Rebbe. The book about his father was written by Rabbi Shimon Finkelman. The book is called The Rebbe on Beacon Street, The Inspiring Life and Impact of Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Horowitz, the Boston Rebbe of Boston and Harnof. And um, the book is available right now. Go to artscroll.com. Go to artscroll.com. If you buy one book, you'll get free shipping if you use promo code radio. The only way to get free shipping when you buy one book is to use promo code radio. And right now in June, there's a 20% off sale across the board on everything at artsgirl.com, so we're highly recommending it. The Reb on Beacon Street, the inspiring life and impact of Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Horowitz, the Boston Reb of Boston and Harnoff. The book is written by Rabbi Shimon Finkelman, and what a tremendous covode for us that the Boston Reb himself of this generation, Rabbi Naftali Yehuda Horowitz, joined us from Boston to discuss his father here at JM in the AM. That was my conversation with the Boston Rebbe of Boston, Massachusetts. Thanks so much for tuning in. Plenty more coming up if you keep it right here at the Notham Segal Network.